0: three Pentecost Sunday many of you would ask yourself what is Pentecost Sunday well Pentecost was celebrated as a Jewish feast from the nation of Israel the Jewish people 50 days after the weekend or Good Friday or the Passover 50 days after they would come and they would provide or bring now uh, the first fruits of uh, their harvest and they would celebrate in an attitude of thanksgiving but it was one of those pentecost or one of those feasts of weeks that they were celebrating that now the lord descended his spirit upon the church and the church was born the holy spirit came upon the church and now we celebrate pentecost sunday You know, we were getting ready to really study this message and to really put together the service of today, knowing that it was Pentecost Sunday. The Lord really encouraged me and reminded me that that the church and we maybe were concentrated on quarantine when God wanted us to look towards Pentecost. Right, A lot of us, we wanted to think about quarantine 40 days, and after that, we're, everything's going to go back to normal. But the Lord said, no, I, don't, I want you to draw your attention out of the word quarantine, and I want you to look, and I want you to have your attention towards Pentecost. Pentecost. The day that the Holy Spirit came upon the church, and how many of us here know today that we need a new Pentecost? Would you say amen to that? Amen. We need a new Pentecost. I mean, throughout this time, we've learned and we've been able to see that that not only is the church was back then or the church is today, but the church always will be more than essential. And the church is called now by the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and to reach out, to go out and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to really pray to be a church that is prayed up, to be a church that is Spirit-filled because God has called us, notice this, a light in the world. You're the light in the world, uh, in this world that we live in today, specifically. With all the health issues that are taking place, the fear, the anxiety. Even with the uh, 40, last 48 hours that we've now seen the protests that have turned into something that are acts of violence now, and riots, and, and, and the world needs light. The world needs light. And more than standing on one side or the other side or trying to define justice, why don't we try to show them the light? And that is Jesus Christ. In fact, you were called to be a light in the world. What does that mean? As a Christian, as a believer, I want you to know that you were called to be a godly influence. You see, there's a lot of influences in this world today, but how many of those influences are godly influences? How many times are we giving someone a reason to look to the Lord in Matthew chapter 5? Jesus said it this way. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, if it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That is your calling that you would be a light in the world, that we would be the light in the world. And and I pray really that today, before we call ourselves anything, that we would call ourselves a Christian. Because we want to turn people to Jesus. We want to show them who Jesus is. Not only has He called you, but on Pentecost Sunday, He equipped you. How is it that I'm called to be the light in the world? How is it that I can stand as a godly influence, that I can stand in the gap, in the midst of chaos, and show people Jesus? Well, he equipped you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon the church and baptized the church and gave the church power. You see, we need to be powerful Christians, filled with power, not power, less Christians. And the church was automatically there by the power of the Holy Spirit as they were filled, It was activated. It was born now. But how does Pentecost look today? And the message or the title of today's message is called The Evidences of Pentecost in the Church. Because we have to know how Pentecost looks today. Now, Pentecost looks, number one, like a spirit filled church. If you like taking notes, church, I'd remind you to write this down. Number one, Pentecost looks like a church filled with the Spirit. It looks like a spirit filled church, number one. Pentecost, number two, looks like a Praying church. That's why our church prays. Because we want to be filled with the Spirit. You cannot be filled with the Spirit without prayer and the Word of God. Pentecost looks like a praying church. A church that has a priority to pray. But Pentecost also looks, as we study in God's Word, Pentecost looks like a bold church. A church that is fearless. A church that is taking steps of faith always. A church not that is fearful. Not that is... Being pushed over by the world, but a church that is stepping a stepping out every day with steps of courage and with steps of faith to demonstrate now that their life has been turned over to Christ. And in the church now of Acts, after Pentecost, we see a church that has experienced healing. And I don't know about you, but our nation needs healing. Our world needs healing. Maybe today, today, and you need healing yourself in your mind. An emotional healing, maybe a physical healing, maybe even a spiritual healing that you want the Lord to provide you that healing that you wanted always. Well, the church in the book of Acts provided that healing to the world. Not only that, but they also provided restoration. You see it restoration all the time. You see it being an unstoppable church because of the Holy Spirit. And here in Acts chapter 3, we're going to see Peter and John as they step out. And as they step out now, as they're going out to the temple, as they're going to church, you see Peter and John, disciples, apostles of Jesus Christ. You know what they are? They have, number one, a priority. They have power. And they have a proclamation. And that's what we're going to see in today's text. We're going to see what is the priority of the church should look like. Under what power should the church operate in Pentecost? Pentecost. And what should the message of the church be? The proclamation of the church. See, there are a lot of times that our priorities are not organized. We don't have the right priorities. Therefore, we don't operate under the correct strength and power. And we have the wrong message. I'm going to ask you today, what kind of message do you have today? What does your message sound like? What priorities do you have? Where does your strength come from? It seems like today everybody wants to have an opinion. Everybody's voice needs to matter. Everyone wants to make a statement out of everything that's taking place. But I want to remind you, when was the last time that your statement was the name of Jesus? When was the last time that you said the name of Jesus in public to someone that was hurting? That you didn't want to come to them with an answer, with philosophy, with a good morality. But you wanted to come with them with Jesus. Because that is the only person that can provide healing to a hurting people. Jesus. Now let's go to Acts chapter 3 verse 1. And it says this. Now Peter and John. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And it says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask for alms from those who entered the temple who seeing peter and john about to go into the temple asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with john peter said look at us so he gave him his attention expecting to receive something from them then peter said silver and gold i do not have But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Can we pray? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you today, God. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to pour your spirit on your church right now, Lord. That Pentecost would become real to us. Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, through the power of your spirit, Lord that your power would be revealed in our lives. I pray for healing, Lord, for anyone that's come right now, Lord, with a burden, with something that is hurting in their hearts, Lord, maybe anxiety in their minds and fear, God, that you would provide that for them, healing Jesus. And they would come from your name, the powerful name, the beautiful name, the wonderful name of Jesus. We pray this all in your name, in Jesus' name, and together we said, the church said together, Amen. Amen. Now it says in verse 1 of chapter 3, and now Peter and John went up, and notice this word, together. I want you to underline that in your Bible. They went up where? Together to the temple. They went up together to the house of God. And it's incredible here that you see the word together come up, because it reminds us of one word, fellowship, together, unity. Isn't this what God has called us to be, to be together? There's several reasons as to why we are called to be together, why we're called to grow up in the faith together, for accountability, for growth, for spiritual maturity. In fact, they learned through the ministry, through the discipleship of Jesus, through spending time with Jesus, they were called to be together. They weren't called, they weren't made, they weren't created, we were not made to be alone, we were not made to be isolated from one another, we're called to be together And notice where they're going here together. To the temple at the hour of prayer at the ninth hour. Now this is amazing here because this is their priority. And as a church that is spirit filled, as a church that has experienced Pentecost, as a church that is saying, maybe you, wherever you are in life right now, that we're saying, Lord, we want you to fill us with your spirit. Do you have the priority of prayer in your life? Because Peter and John, they went up to The church, to the house of God, to the prayer meeting. Isn't this amazing? There are often times that we say we have too much going on or there is too much going on in our world. I can't make it to prayer. Now the disciples said quite the opposite. They said there is too much going on. I must go to the house of God to prayer. And that should be the attitude of the church today that we want to be together in prayer, that we want to go in fellowship at the hour of prayer because we were made for fellowship. And these men understood that in order for them to continue to be refilled by the power of the Spirit, in order for them to receive a divine refill of the Holy Spirit, they had to come to a place where their lives were dedicated to prayer. And they refused to serve without prayer. They refused to live on empty You know, there are times in our lives where sometimes we're empty. We're dried up. We're frustrated. We're tired. We're discouraged now. Maybe even depressed now. Serving, living, maybe trying to serve your family, serve in church. With everything taking place, overwhelmed, living on empty. And here these men understood that they could not live that way. Therefore, they had to go together to pray. Now, you notice automatically here in verse 1 that they did not do one thing. They didn't forsake the assembling of themselves together. You see, it was so important that they fellowship together. Peter needed John, and John needed Peter. And they needed to go to church so that they can grow. They had a desire, a hunger for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they said, if we want the Holy Spirit, we are called not to be independent, but to be dependent of fellowship, accountability, and prayer. Why is prayer so important? Because it's only praying men and women... That can influence God in their prayer closet. It's only praying men and women that have influence with God. It's only praying men and women that the Holy Spirit dwells upon. It's only praying people now. We're a praying church that can represent God in the world. You want to represent God in the world? You cannot do it without a prayer life. Oftentimes in our life, the reason why we cannot represent God the right way is because we have failed in the area of prayer. But these men go up to prayer in the house of God, and it says in verse 2, And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple. Now what happened here? They go to the house of God and they see a man there, that was lame, that was weak, that was crippled from his mother's womb. And as he was there at the temple, they saw him here. And I love this because this man was there standing outside of the house of God. It gives us here representation that the temple is a hospital for those that have needs those that have weaknesses those that are vulnerable those that that need someone to reach out to them and they're at the door of the house of god or they're at the temple now was the hurting was the weak and was the broken was those that are in need you see why it's so important for the church doors to be open a lot of times we Start to think about why is it that we open the church? Why is it that we gather together? Why is it important that we meet? Because the church is open as a hospital for those that are in need, that are broken, that are weak, that need the Lord. Those that need a touch from the Lord. And he was there now at the gate called Beautiful now, where he would meet the power of Jesus Christ, and he learned there at that gate called Beautiful, the beauty of the healing power of Jesus. But why was he there for it? And he was there asking for money. Right at the doors of the church was the needs. Have you ever noticed that sometimes where we ask ourselves, where are the needs that God wants us to meet? They're right here, right in the body of Christ. It's the person right next to you sometimes. It's the person that you pass by as you enter the house of God. Those are where the needs are at that we ought to meet and all around us in our world as well. But here it goes out in verse now 3 and 4. And it says, Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. He's asking for money. As he is a maddened, crippled from his mother's womb, that he could not walk. He could not now work for himself. In verse 4, And fixing his eyes on him. With John, Peter said, Look at us. Now what has happened here? Fixing his eyes on him. Who was fixing his eyes on him? This is now Peter and John, and they fix their eyes on that man. They fix their eyes on that need. In the middle of being in a crowd of many people, in the middle of, of a lot of movement that was taking place that day, what Peter and John do is they stop and they pause, and they're never in a rush to stop for one person. And to look at individuals. And to say, you know what, we're going to pause and we're going to look intently. We're going to fix our eyes on this person and we're going to focus on them. It it says here that he told them, look at us. He called for their attention. He's saying, we're going to take ownership of this situation and we're going to tell these people that are outside of the house of God to look at us. What isn't that the responsibility of the church? That as we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can notice the needs around us? I love that it says here that in verse 4, that it says in fixing his eyes on him. You know why Peter and John were able to fix their eyes on him? Why were Peter and John able to fix their eyes on the needs? Because their eyes were already fixed on Christ. And you can never notice the needs around you if your eyes are not fixed on Jesus. It says here, he told them, now look at us. He did not ignore the needs. He didn't pass by the needs. He didn't look away from the needs. Now the church said, look at us. Look at the needs. Look at us. And what was it that he was saying to look? Look at look at Christ in us. Look at the Holy Spirit upon us. Look at the power that is, is ne- uh, beside us. And, and what Peter and John is doing now, he's looking at them, or looking at this guy, as he's ready to meet the need here. And in verse 5, look what he says. So he gave them his attention, expecting... To receive something from them. Now this is so amazing. Because now here this man is giving the attention to these disciples. How many times is it that we have to ask to the world, we ask the world, hey, look at us. Not look away from us. (laughs) Not look to the world, not look to an influence or a voice and culture in the world. No, look to the church for the light. And he's saying, look at us. And th- it says that this man here in verse 5, that he gave them his attention expecting to receive something. What was he expecting to receive? He was expecting a temporary cure. He was expecting something that was going to heal him right now. In a situation that was going right now, he was expecting a, a, a temporary cure when Jesus can offer him a permanent healing. And there are often times in our lives that we say, Lord, we want you to temporarily heal us right now. And the Lord is saying, No, I want to permanently take care of your situation. What was he expecting to receive this money now? But here he's going to learn this man to expect the right things from God. I want to ask you today what are you expecting from God today? There are times that we settle for much less than when God wants to give us and we rob ourselves from the blessing now. Because we want God to support our present condition we want to, when He wants to provide us a permanent healing to restore and change our lives completely. And that's why you see that these men were able to fix their eyes on the Lord and fix their eyes on this man and address the need, not ignore the need, not just pass by the need, but said, look at us. He gave them His attention and not only do you see the priority in prayer here, but you also see the power that comes from men and women that are in prayer. Or is there any power that's coming out of your life today? Are you calling out the needs that are around us and saying, you know what, look at us, we have something that we can give you. And it may be not what you expect, it may be not what you think, but it's what you need. This world today is looking for so many answers. And maybe they're expecting, from something, out, expecting something else from us. Maybe they're expecting for an instant answer. Maybe they're expecting for justice to be satisfied right now for them. But here, look at what Peter is going to tell this man. As he's going to give him the only thing this man actually really needs, and that is Jesus. Now notice here that not only is his priority prayer, but you see the power of a spirit-filled person here. In verse 6, when he says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have... I give you. That is a powerful line. Why don't we underline in their Bibles, silver and gold, I do not have. How many times have we often been distracted with the things that we don't have? And that's why we can't serve the Lord. Well, I don't have this. I can't serve the Lord. I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I don't have the gifts, you may think. And here Peter and John weren't, weren't thinking about, they weren't distracted by what they didn't have but they absolutely understood what they did have, and that was power, that was the authority, that was the faith, and that was the anointing that came in Jesus. They weren't focused on the things they did not have, but they said, you know what? What we do have, we're going to give you. We might not have silver and gold, but we are available and we're willing. Are you available and willing to be used by God? You said, I might not have what you expect, but I have something better. I might not have what you expect, but I have something better. Are you giving people Jesus? Because look at how the power and the boldness that is taking place in the lives of these men as now they step out and look at what they say here in verse 6. It says, But what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. (laughs) Wouldn't you just be amazed to be there that day to see how that would look? silver and gold i don't have i don't have what you're expecting but i have something better and that is jesus now and they step out in faith and boldness and said in the name of jesus rise up and walk now stand on your feet and he gives and he puts all their attention not on peter and john but on jesus he doesn't want he's not a a seeking for attention now peter but he's saying i know what this man needs is jesus and you notice here in verse 7 and on that the step of faith that Peter and John took only encouraged this man to also take a step of faith as well. Their boldness only encouraged the boldness or the literal step of faith in walking of this man now. And these were steps of restoration. These were steps of healing. This was steps of putting this man on his feet. This was steps of outreach and speaking life in this man's life because it says here, rise up and walk. He's saying, you know what we can offer you is power, the power of God. But Peter and John could not offer the power of God. And we cannot offer the power of God to anyone. We cannot reach out in the power of God to anyone. Until we first have experienced the power of God in our lives. And I want to tell you this. There's a lot of the church that is living without the power of God. Without the baptizing of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And that's exactly why we sometimes are still stuck in fear or still stuck in maybe the world's mentality or or in sin or in our old lifestyle. That we can't reach out to people because we're missing Pentecost. We're missing the Holy Spirit in our lives. These men were baptized by the Holy Spirit. They had a desire and a hunger for prayer. Therefore, they said, you know what? I have something for you. His name is Jesus. Rise up and walk. That was the core of their message. What is the core of your message today? Have you experienced the power of God that you can reach out to somebody and say, you know what, in the name of Jesus, I want to tell you, I want to give you this healing that comes from Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that we can put you on your feet spiritually, but also that you would meet Jesus, that He would provide even physical healing as well that you need. Do you see what he's, what he's pointing them to? He's pointing them to Jesus. Now in verse 7, as we continue reading, it says, and He took him by the right hand. What is He doing here? He's giving this man support. He's giving this man help. He took him by the right hand. And what does he do? He lifts this man up. He lifts him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. You see, these men that had a priority to prayer, that knew the power of God, that proclaimed the name of Jesus, came into contact with this man and they lifted him up. And instead of the word says immediately. See, after they did that, after they preached Jesus to him, after they had given him the name of Jesus, they reached out with their hand, they came into contact with this man that is in need, they lifted him up and they strengthened him, and then immediately, instantly, the Bible says that he was healed, that he was strengthened them, and they were taking steps of faith together with him. And it says here that his ankle bones received now strength. Notice here, where did the healing happen? The healing happened at the house of God. And I want to ask you today, has the healing happened in your life? Has the healing happened when you receive the healing that comes from Jesus? That you understand that He wants to provide that for you? Because look at what happens to this man that received the healing. Look at this man that experienced the power of God. It says in verse 8, so he, leaping up, he stood up. It doesn't say it only he stood up, but it speaks about that he jumped up now, this man. As he jumped up, he stood, and he walked, and he entered the temple now. And as he was walking with them, leaping and praising God. He was rejoicing that he was at the temple of God, that he was at church. Why? Because God had transformed his life. Because the Spirit of God had touched him. Because the Holy Spirit had come to heal him. You see, this man had a reason to worship. I want to ask you, what is your reason to worship today? Because not only because of who he is, but what he's done in your life what he can do in your life. And it tells us this, in verse 8, entering the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. What does it say, verse 9? That he was a walking testimony. Everyone saw him, verse 10, and they knew that it was he who sat begging at alms in the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now what did they notice immediately? This is the man that was sitting at the gate. But he has been healed in these powerful words in verse 10 that says that they were filled with number one wonder and they were filled with amazement at the transformation that took place in the life of this man, that a miracle had taken place at church. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you need a miracle to take place in your life at church today. <laughs> because that's exactly where miracles take place. And it took place because two men named Peter and John were ready. Were ready to pray. These two men that understood the power of God, that had a desire and a hunger for God, they said, we're going to go to the house of God and pray. And they made themselves willing as they made themselves available. Notice this, the Lord put something, someone in their path and say, I want you to reach out to this person and I want you to share with them Jesus. That was the core, that was the proclamation of their message. Why? Because their priority was prayer. Their power was from the Holy Spirit, number two. And number three, their proclamation was the name of Jesus. And I pray that today, even as we're meeting, even as we start to meet again, that we wouldn't meet without the priority that is in prayer. That when you know that it is time to pray with the church, that we would come because we know that's where the healing comes. That's where the Holy Spirit empowers us in prayer. Not only does the Holy Spirit empower us in prayer, it gives us now the mentality and the eyes to reach out to others and to be a light and to influence them so that our proclamation, so that our message is Jesus. What is your message today? You notice that in verse now 10, it says, "...they knew that it was He who sat begging at alms at the gate, called beautiful at the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement." Now think about it. When was the last time that the world looked at the church... And they were filled with wonder and amazement. (laughs) Not the church looking at the world and in fear, but the world looking into the church and saying there's transformation, there's life change, there's healing, there's restoration taking place in the house of God. We need to go there. Verse 11, look what happens. Now the layman was healed. Look what it says. He held on, circle that please, held on to Peter and John and all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's Greatly Amazed. Were they greatly amazed? They are greatly amazed of seeing someone's life be transformed. But what does it tell us here in this verse 11? That this man, as he walked, as he leaped, I love this. I said that he held on to Peter and John. <laughs> Why was he holding on to Peter and John? He was holding on to Peter and John as a, a sense of gratitude, as a sense of security now, as he's, as he's now gathered together for support now for safety as he's holding on to these men that preached Jesus to him that reached out and said rise up and walk you see how Christianity is called to to call out man from darkness from weakness from from now the the, the the crippled state of where they find themselves and tell them to stand on your feet in the name of Jesus so that then the world holds on to Peter and John into the church and say you know what we want to praise God but he held on to Peter and John I want to ask you who are you holding on to today for support Who is your Peter and John? Who are you holding on to? Maybe you're holding on to somebody in your life, a Peter or a John, and you're holding on to support for someone, but are they people of prayer? Because if you want to continue to stand, if you want to continue to worship, if you want to continue to praise God, you must support yourself with those people, men and women, that are men and women of prayer, that know the power of God. Who are you holding on to today? I want to encourage you to ask yourself right now, who is that Peter and that John in my life? For the men and the women, And to say, I want to hold on to those people that are going to lead me straight into the house of God for prayer. I want to hold on to those people that are going to lead me straight into the house of, uh, into the house of God for transformation. I want to lead, hold on to those people that are godly influences in my life so that others look at my life and they are filled with wonder and amazement at what has God done in my life. And maybe you've come today and you say, you know what, well, I, I need to step into the house of God today for healing. And maybe it's a, an emotional healing or a physical healing, whatever it is, God wants to provide you that healing right now. We're going to go ahead and pray right now and ask that the Lord would just minister to us in this time as we meet again. But that as we've come to get today, that we wouldn't just come back to a, a normal church service or a normal routine again, that we can come back to church or something that is normal that, that we can even go back and see uh, a society back to what it was before. No, but that we would say, Lord, we don't want normal. We want new. We want our lives to be transformed. And we refuse to be the same because we want God to be, do a transformation that doesn't come from the world of transformation that doesn't come from what the world says but where it comes from prayer and it comes from the power of the Holy Spirit where we can also say Lord I want to stand on my feet through your power I want to stand on my feet in prayer I want to stand on my feet in the house of God and support myself with brothers and sisters that are people of prayer that are godly influences not only Lord have you called me but you have equipped me and you have, you have now a plan for my life and you want to transform my life can we pray right now church Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. For your word, God, we praise you for it. We thank you because Peter and John, Lord, men of prayer, have taught us today, Lord, that our priorities should be to go together. To not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And I pray for some of us that maybe needed to be awakened throughout this time, Lord. That haven't been coming to church. But you've called us back to church, Lord. You called us back to accountability. You have called us back to fellowship. Lord, that you've called us back, Lord, to healing in your house. That we would not take... For granted to be in the house of God today. because this is where healing takes place in your house, Lord. There are some times that we look for healing out in the world. we try to hold on to and support ourselves from people that are not men and women of prayer and the healing in our hearts continue. But today, Lord, we want transformation. We want you to change our life. It only comes through your power, through the power in the name of Jesus. I want to pray right now, maybe if you're here this morning.